Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gents, it's JL Radio. Let's get started. Do I find it so hard when I know in my heart I'm well. down every day? Setting you down every day Why do I keep on running away? All right, welcome back, moguls. I'm your host, Jessica LaShawn, and I'm ready to talk about money. Not just any kind of money, but growing money and saving money. This episode of JL Radio is sponsored by none other than Mogul Academy, where mentoring fills in the gaps, the financial gaps between school and reality. For more info, check out mogulacademy.org. We have an amazing episode for you with none other than the investment tutor. We're going to bring him live in a few minutes. I was on LinkedIn when I saw a post titled, Don't Live Rich and Die Poor. That title alone just blew my mind, and I was so curious to see what it was about. Just the title, Don't Live Rich and Die Poor. This was by the Investment Tutor, so I'm going to read it for you real quick, and then we're going to bring him live. It says, Sean Carter Jay-Z returned from a long retirement with an album that went platinum in less than a week. While it's easy to assume this album is only about him cheating on Beyonce, <laughs> you'd be mistaken. The 444 album also highlights the lack of financial literacy amongst minorities, many of whom have never been exposed to investing or wealth building. Generational wealth is the key. My parents didn't have ish, so the shift started with me, says JC. Every time I listen to that song on the album, I learn something new about personal financing as it relates to black America. Yes, I know the words in his songs are pretty explicit, but they do get to the point. Jay-Z took a subtle jab at people who tend to show off on social media. Y'all on the gram holding money to your ear. That's a disconnect. We don't call that money over here. (laughs) It's because there's a pervasive belief hindering our generation. It's the belief that if you appear to be doing better than your colleagues, that's all that matters. So if an individual has a nice car, fancy clothes, or even a house and appears to be more financially well-off than his or her peers, nothing else matters. Unfortunately, Looking rich is not the same as being rich. And a person can't pretend to be rich forever, especially if he or she has no investments. Pretending to be well-off is the biggest threat to financial freedom. It encourages a person to allocate funds to his or her lifestyle today, which leaves nothing for tomorrow. As a society, we need to shift our way of thinking. Don't base your success on how fast you can accumulate material things. It's not the goal. I've heard many stories of individuals who lost their true self in the pursuit of possessions. True happiness and fulfillment are directly correlated with the ability to build meaningful relationships. The inherent need to accumulate more things is the reason most people never have enough money or any wealth to pass on to the next generation. This has to change, but it starts with a change in one's mindset and willingness to learn about money. This article was written by the Investment Tutor. The purpose of the Investment Tutor is to make investing easy to understand. If you feel stuck or 
have no need or have no idea where to go. He offers 15-minute tutoring sessions. There's a link to his contact information within this profile. I'm going to bring him live right now, ladies and gentlemen. Let's welcome the investment tutor. How you doing? Hi, Jessica. How I'm doing very well. How about you? I am doing quite well. I'm so excited about this discussion. I've been stalking your LinkedIn page for a few days now, trying to learn as much as I can. (laughs) So I was wondering, how did you get into financial literacy and investing? Yeah, because I felt that, um, where do I begin? So I read this book titled Mm -hmm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So anyone who's listening, write this down. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it's a book by Robert Kiyosaki, right? And within this book, Robert Kiyosaki was sharing how the rich know a lot about money, but then the middle class and the poor do not. Mm -hmm. So then I read the book, and it exposed me to a lot of things that completely changed my life. Now, when I graduated, I just took a look at other colleagues of mine, and I realized everyone is just so busy at work. No one takes the time to learn about one of the most important things, which is how to manage our money so that there's enough left, right, to be able to continue to live comfortably if we do decide to stop working at some point in the future, which is everyone's hope and dream, right? Mm -hmm, Definitely. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yes, um, that was what led to just me educating our generation um, about money and investing. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned that after you graduate, I see that you have an MBA. What made you want to go into the business the educational arena or advanced your education within business? Because when you think of an MBA, I I like to shatter glass ceilings, let's say that. And at mm-hmm. a certain point in an organization, if it comes up that they want to promote you and they're like, well, you know, he or she is not qualified, well, that takes that conversation off the table, right? So an MBA, in my perspective, allows you to reach whatever level you want to reach within an organization. Um, So that was what led me to pursue an MBA, tied with the fact that I was just very passionate about business and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm yeah. glad you mentioned business and a correlation with entrepreneurship. Um, now, mm-hmm. you're the investment tutor. <laughs> I was wondering yeah. throughout your educational experiences if investing and saving for the future as a business person or an entrepreneur ever came up. So during the process, it, in all honesty, All I knew or all I was told to do was to go to school and get a good job. That was Uh all my parents told me, you know, and that's all I knew. So then becoming an entrepreneur, building a business, saving for a business, none of that was 
I didn't even see it as something that I could attain, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but then fast forward right now after, you know, the books that I've read, after just being exposed to what is possible, I mean, the sky is the limit. And, yes, the wonderful thing about business nowadays is, I mean, most of the businesses, depending on what you do, you don't even need a lot of capital to start, in all honesty. It just depends on what you end up doing. But um, the Internet has allowed so many businesses to be able to start without that much capital. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the way we got connected was through your post <laughs> on LinkedIn. I keep shouting out LinkedIn. For anyone that's ever wondering <laughs> how you can get quality content, I'm sure you can attest mm-hmm. to this. LinkedIn is the source. Yeah. Your blog, Don't Live Rich Poor, uh, that was based off of Jay-Z's new album. Can you yeah. tell me what really moved you about the album that led you to okay. share with your audience about it via your post? Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, I was just blown away. I had <laughs> that album on repeat for mm-hmm. pretty much about five days, and it was the only thing I listened to, okay? And... You know, I'm just hearing certain sentences, you know, certain lines within his, with the songs. And I'm like, this isn't only about Beyonce. You know, we know what he did wasn't good. And, you know, he came, he was upfront about it. But this isn't mm-hmm. only about um, Beyonce. He actually touches on key things that mm-hmm. really are impacting, you know, minorities or black America. And if people don't really realize, they will overlook that. A couple Mm. of the things that he talked about, number one is financial literacy. He he gives so many examples of that, and I'll touch on it shortly. Another thing that he talks about, too, is pretty much like black America supporting itself, which – He's, he kind of gives references to this through his um, through title, which is the um, you know the streaming business that he owns, right? Mm-hmm. He's talking yeah. about how different artists are signing record deals with like you know Apple and you know Spotify and all of that, but then you know it's he has title. It's something that he created for that industry, but then. People are, you know, the industry is kind of shunning him, and he doesn't understand why people don't want to, you know, kind of keep the money, if I should say, you know, within within mm-hmm. Black America. It's just interesting. It's just so he goes into so many different. Um, he talks about so many different things, but it was that financial literacy piece which really, really uh, caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I felt the same way, too. And so when I read your post, I, I, it really resonated with me because as someone that's just getting into financial literacy and studying diligently every day so that I could do better, it's really, really important. Anything in particular that you want to touch on in regards to that piece with financial literacy? Yeah. I mean, when we uh, listen to 
his um his track story of OJ. Uh-huh. Okay. One of the first things that Jay Z says is financial freedom, our only hope. Right? Uh-huh. I edited the words to say don't live rich and die broke. Uh-huh. That is powerful. Financial freedom is our only hope. Like the word only means there is nothing else. Nothing. Mm. Yeah. Financial freedom is our only hope. What that means is that for an individual who does not understand how to manage their money, there is no hope. (laughs) And, you know, we need to understand that. America is set up in a way that if you're not if you don't find a way to be good with money, life is really miserable. I mean, we look at all of, you know, what's going on. I'm not being political, but we look at what's going on and it just seems like, you know, there are bills that are being passed through or terminated or cut or what and if you don't have the monetary means, right, the financial means to be able to, let's say, afford health care or to be able to take care of your family, and if you are dependent on the system, oh, my gosh, it, it, it's just not a pleasant time, right? So financial freedom, our only hope. Don't live rich and die broke. That assumption that, hey, if I can go to this party and, you know, and, and wear my red bottoms, my friends are going to, you know, know that, oh, my gosh, this, you know, this girl has money. That mentality is what keeps our generation broke mm-hmm. because it's like you're just living for now, showing off that you are doing so well. Are you really? Mm-hmm. Like, are you really? And what is sad is that, you know, I teach about investing. And what most people don't realize is that even if a person starts investing, Jessica, just $50 a month, five zero, fifty bucks 50 a mm-hmm. month, let's say they start at age 20, by age Let's say 65, 60, 65, if they know and understand what they are doing and they are able to get around a 13% return on average, which is not uncommon if you are, you know, financially literate, a person can end up getting about $1.2, $1.3 million. So now, mm-hmm. Jessica, let me ask you, what individual cannot afford to invest 50 bucks a month, even if they are making minimum wage. Everyone can afford it. So why aren't we taught this? Why aren't we taught something that is our only hope? Mm-hmm. That, is, that is another thing that really um, gets me fired up. I want to bring this information to our generation for them mm-hmm. to realize that investing is not a scary thing that, you know, you feel like it's unattainable. 
right? It's something that does not even need that much money. I mean, 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month here and there, and you can set yourself up yeah. for a really, really good life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, that, that's kind of what led to me writing that article, just to expose the fact that, you know, forget about looking rich. Like, forget about it. There's nothing wrong with it, right? We all like to, 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 to look good. There's nothing wrong with it. But while you're looking good, be investing. Don't just look good, right? Live rich and then die broke. Sure, live rich if you want to, if it makes you happy, but be investing as well. Does mm-hmm. it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So how does someone <laughs> actually start investing? Because if you Google it, you you see all these scary things like sign up with this brokerage and all that other mm. kind of stuff. <laughs> mm, mm. Oh, my gosh, Jessica, you brought up an incredible question, okay? How does someone learn how to start investing? And I'm going to be very honest, they don't. The reason I say this is because it is so scary, right? People don't know where to begin, who to go to, who they can trust. Unfortunately, about there was a study done by Fidelity, I believe, and millennials disclosed that about 70% of them don't trust the financial industry. They just don't. So they would just much rather keep their money in a savings account. Well, what that means is that our generation, we're not investing, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's no clear path to be able to bring people to teach them how to invest, then there's a problem. Right now, a person's only option, if they wanted to learn how to invest, is essentially to find a financial advisor. One thing that people don't know also is that financial advisors, a majority of them, unfortunately, they sell the the financial products of the company that they are with. And their, their paycheck is dependent on the type of product they can sell and oh, wow. the quantity. Yes, the quantity that they sell. Mm-hmm. Right, there are there are just a few financial advisors, maybe five percent or less than five percent, who are called fiduciaries. Right, they are obligated by law to put the customer or the client's interest and investment ahead of theirs. So those financial planners they don't take a commission. They just pay, you know, you just pay them a a flat fee. Mm -hmm. But then 95% of the industry are the commission-taking financial advisors. So you can only imagine. There's no uh – go ahead. Yeah, I think that's something we need to touch on again. The fact that you just <laughs> told us 95% of financial advisors have an agenda because they work for certain companies, and in order for them to get a good paycheck, they have to make certain sales. 
whereas there yes, are five percent that are mm-hmm. legally obligated to make sure that they do what's yes. best for you and your financial portfolio. Yeah, yes. I don't think a lot of people knew that. <laughs> it's important. Yeah, it, it, it's very, very important, and it's sad. It's mm-hmm. sad. It's sad. So what, how what? can somebody actually find someone that would have their best interests at heart? Is that something that's actually listed next to their name when you go when you research them? <laughs> yes. You have to ask a person first and foremost, the way you know off the bat is if the person is taking a fee to essentially let's say either show you how to invest or invest for you, Uh right? They are taking a flat fee. So, for example, my cost is $400 a year. Uh I'm I'm not saying that's my cost. I'm I'm talking from the standpoint of the financial planner because I'm not a financial planner. So a financial Uh planner can say my cost to you is $400 for the year. That's my the services that I'll provide, right? So now Mm -hmm. a conversation you'd want to have with the person is, first, are you a fiduciary? Okay? Fiduciary Mm -hmm. is someone who by law has to put your interest before theirs, Mm -hmm. your financial interest before theirs. So that's the first question. Secondly, are you selling me products of the company that you represent, once they say yes, I would be a bit cautious. The reason mm-hmm. I thought be cautious is because there are so many financial products. There's no reason to sell you, you know, the ones from their particular company. So unless someone can prove to you that the investments that they are making for you are investments that, you know, contain that investments outside of their company, the company that they represent. Or even better yet, hopefully they don't even represent one particular company. Mm-hmm. You get it. That. Yeah. And, and the third is, are you making any money, any commissions of any kind by me purchasing certain investments? And if the answer is yes, I'd walk away. Hmm. Because anytime someone makes money by your purchase, unfortunately, they will, they will look to put you in certain investments that make them money, which is another thing I wanted to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. So you know that most people work and their employers have a 401k. Yes. Right? Perfect. This is also going to surprise you. (laughs) 90% of people have no idea where their money is going or what investment their money is being put into within their 401k. People just select a contribution amount and that's it. They don't know where their money is going. 90% of people. I talk to people on a daily basis and I ask them, so what are you invested in within your 401k? And they look at me with a blank stare. 
they have no clue. Jessica, the reality is you employees assume that because the 401k is being offered by their company, that it is their company that is managing the retirement account. This is false. Your wow. company does not manage the 401k. Your company outsources it because your company is not a financial company. So it mm-hmm. outsources that responsibility to a Wall Street financial company. And if I can ask you a simple question, if you hand money over to Wall Street, are you expecting them to use the money in a way that's going to make you more money? Or uh-huh. are they going to use it in a way that's going to make them more money? Yep, the latter. <laughs> make them more money. Exactly. So 90% of people who invest through their 401ks, which you should, you should invest through your 401k. You just need to know where your money is going. But 90% of people who don't know where their money is going, unfortunately, their money is going into high fee, high fee investments, mainly mutual funds. When you hear the term mutual fund, just know that you are paying extremely high fees. Mm-hmm. And those investments can take away over 50% of your entire retirement over your lifetime. So over 35 years and more. If, let's say, you were supposed to accumulate a million dollars, you'd only get to keep about 500000 Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so sad. I don't like those numbers. <laughs> yes, and it, it's unfortunate. Um, mm-hmm. Mutual funds are really expensive because you have to pay the portfolio manager, the person who is managing the portfolio, and that person needs to pay the financial advisors that go out to sell the product. That's why it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you think that they'd sit you down as a, as an employee and say, hey, we're going to teach you about how we're helping you to invest with the 401K yeah. to ensure yeah. that you live a great life? But, no, it's never a priority. I know. I know. Back in the day, companies used to offer pensions, right? Mm-hmm. These companies took on the responsibility of making sure that when the employee retired, they they had enough, right, mm-hmm. because the company was going to pay you, but, you know, companies were like, no, that's too expensive. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to put the responsibility on the employee, right? Mm-hmm. They need to figure it out now, and we're, we're just going to add a little match, right? We're going to match their contribution, mm-hmm. but now it is on them. So if that person does not understand or know how to invest, they are at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone listening, this is JL Radio. We're talking with the investment tutor. So many things I've learned already. I already have a page of notes. <laughs> so we talked about uh, a little bit about the power of investing. Now, my next mm-hmm. question is, how soon should someone start investing? Mm-hmm. 
And, I mean, this, uh, someone is going to be listening and going to be like, oh, of course he's going to say that, but uh, right now. <laughs> right now. Actually, uh-huh. yes, yesterday was the best time to, to, <laughs> to have started <laughs> in uh-huh. that thing. And, and it's, it's funny, but I was saying this to someone today. Um, you have two options when it comes to investing. You either start very early, but then you have, so you start early, but then you have a little money, meaning you don't have a lot of money. Maybe you have $50 a month. Maybe you have $100 a month, right? So you start really early, so around age 18 or 20, with a little bit of money. But the longer you wait, it becomes very expensive. So someone could start with just $50 when they are 18, and just keep paying $50 all of their life till they reach 60, and they would have over a million dollars. But then let's say you wait till, what's that? I said that's good. It's very good. But let's say you wait till you are 30. Do you know Mm -hmm. how much you have to pay when you are 30? Mm -mm. You have to now put in about, I'll say about, $500 or $750 to match what the person who started at 20 with $50, you would need to do 500 if you are 30 to get the exact same amount by age 60. So waiting 10 years, yeah, waiting 10 years from, let's say, age 20 to 30, instead of doing $50 a month, you have to do 500 a month mm. to get the exact same one million or more. But if you wait till you are forty, you have if you <laughs> if you're starting at forty, you have to do thousand five hundred every month to get the same amount that the person who started at age twenty with fifty dollars <laughs> would get. Just to put it into perspective. Mm-hmm. The earlier you start you start you don't need a lot of money. The longer you wait, you need to increase that amount. That's why mm-hmm. I said, uh, yeah, yesterday was the best time to have started investing. Yeah. <laughs> um, with with your example earlier of investing fifty dollars mm. a month at age twenty, yeah. uh, you mentioned <laughs> that a thirteen percent interest rate will be pretty darn good. <laughs> How mm. do you go about finding? Great interest rates. Oh, you, you've asked a splendid question. So I typically share this. Whenever I tell someone that, you know, with some education, with basic education, you can get a 10% return, okay? Mm-hmm. A 10% return on investment, you know, let's say interest rate, but then we're looking at interest rate from a positive standpoint. So let me just call it return because return means we're getting it, right? Mm-hmm. So then a 10% return, whenever I see that, people look at me with their eyes open, wow, how can you get 10%? Do you know why? Just because you know the average return that the average American gets on their investment. It's, mm-hmm. it's about 3%. Three. That's why the 
whenever I say you can get a 10% return, people's eyes are like 10%. But 10%, in all honesty, is just the bare minimum. That's someone with just a little bit of education. Mm-hmm. If a person wanted a 10% return, they can just look at the S&P 500. The S&P 500, to tell you what it is, you can Google it, is the letter S, to S as in Sam, then the end, the end sign, to S and P, to the letter P as in Paul, 500. Mm-hmm. It's, a, let's call it a fund that has the top 500 companies in the U.S. within that fund. It's an index fund. So pretty much if you were to purchase the S&P 500, it's like buying the top 500 companies in the U.S. These top 500 companies will keep changing. So 10 years from now, it's going to be the same fund you are invested in, but the top 500 companies in 10 years will be the top 500 companies at that time. So if a person were to invest in this, they essentially don't have to do anything. They just put their money in and take their eyes off. Do you know the average return of the S&P 500 over 80 years? So from like 1930 till now, do you know the average return? Mm-mm. 10% over okay. 80 years. 80 years, 10%. So you see, if I hadn't told you this, you wouldn't know that the S&P 500 can return uh, you know, 10% on average. On average means some years it may be higher. So some years it may be up 15 or 20%. Maybe some years it's a bit down, right? So maybe it's, it's just up 1%. Or another year it's lost 2%. Another year it's up 40%. But when you average it out on a yearly basis, the average ends up at around 10% gain year over year. Does it make sense? Yeah. So now to, ask, to answer your question about a 13% return, a person can get that kind of return from either an ETF, exchange-traded fund. I can talk more about that if you want it, or a stock. That's mm-hmm. where a person can get a 13% or, or, or more, depending on, you know, Yes, you know how much they really, the time they take to really understand their investment. Mhm. Yeah. So, are investments um, just usually stocks? Is there any other way that you could see someone investing that would be just as beneficial as the S and P? Yes. So, when we talk about investing or investment, essentially Mm -hmm. what they mean is to put your money into a vehicle that provides growth, meaning you want to put your money into something that can grow with time so that that money continues increasing. Mm -hmm. That's what investing means, so to break it into very simple terms. In terms of the different investing vehicles or investment vehicles that are out there, you know, there's stocks. Stocks are the very popular way um, to invest because essentially you just purchase 
an ownership stake of a company. That's a stock. A stock mm-hmm. is when you give money to a company. The company takes the money. It goes to put your money to use. So let's say you give your money to Amazon, and Amazon goes off, and Amazon is able to grow. Maybe it hires more employees. It's able to bring in more products, and they make money with your money. Mm-hmm. They are going to come back at the end of the year and say, hey, look at our profit that we were able to make because everyone purchased our stock. So you guys gave us money, and now we use your money to make money so you can share the profits with us. So then a person's stock might increase. Do you get it? So every time you give money to a company and then the company is making more money, your share of the company continues to increase. And that's how stocks work. So that's a type of investment. I mean, real estate is another type of you know, investment vehicle. Essentially, you, know, you purchase, let's say, a home. Maybe you decide to rent it out. You know, mm-hmm. That's a very good way to you know, have a good return on investment. And also, the value of the property can grow with time, mm. right? So yeah. once you're able to put your money into something that grows, Jay-Z, on the story of OJ, he talked about how he bought artwork for $1 million, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two years later, it's worth $2 million. Two years later, it's worth $8 million. I can't wait to give it to my children. I mm-hmm. mean, essentially, investing is putting your money into something that provides growth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you also wrote a blog post that says mm-hmm. how you can ensure that you won't lose money in the stock market. Can you give us a yes. rundown on what was in that post? Sure, sure, sure. So the only way, right, to lose mm-hmm. to lose money in the stock market is essentially to gamble. What I mean by that is that, you know, a person goes to invest. They pretty much don't know what they are doing. Mm. So then the possibility or the likelihood for that person to lose money is, is, is really, really high. Mm-hmm. So I give an example in the post of, let's say a person, you know, decides to take a car on the highway. Right, so imagine you've never gone to driving school, you've never sat in a car before, and you just hop in in your parents' car. Let's say you're a young, you know, man or or lady. You hop in your parents' car, and then you manage to slowly get the car out of the driveway, and then you hop onto the closest highway that you you, you see. <laughs> what do you anticipate would happen? Something not good, right? Mm-hmm. You put your life at risk. <laughs> if that is a comparison I'm making with investing. If you haven't been taught how to invest, let's call it, you know, you know, investing school in quotes, then if you go out there and let's say your friend is like, oh, my gosh, I invested in, in Netflix or I invested in, 
CVS and I made so much money. Man, it's time for you to get in. And you're also like, wow, you know, he put money in. So you go, you go to your savings account, you take $2,000, and you just go buy what your friend purchased. Did you analyze the company to know what you were doing? Or did you just hop onto the highway with, with no education? Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? No. Your example makes sense, but it's not a wise decision. <laughs> yes, it, 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 it's not a wise decision at all. So essentially mm-hmm. what I'm saying is that educate yourself. Regardless of whatever it is, whether it's investing, whether it's starting a business, whether it's going into a relationship, take your time to educate yourself, mm-hmm. right? Let's say you wanted to go into an interview, to go interview for a job. Educate yourself. Don't just hop, like put yourself in that position when you don't know about it. It's very risky. So what I'm saying is the way to not lose money in the stock market is you educate yourself. Like, for example, the individuals who are listening right now, you know, they know that, for example, the S&P 500 has been returning a 10% return over eight years, right? Mm-hmm. What is the likelihood, Jessica, that the top 500 companies in the U.S. will all go out of business? Oh. That'll be rare. <laughs> yes, it will be very rare. So essentially, when you put your money into the top 500 companies in the U.S., which I want to be upfront, it's not like I'm recommending people go invest in the S&P 500. There are so many investments, Jessica. There are so many. I mean, so many, so many. There's there there are funds which track the healthcare industry. There are funds which track the technology industry. There are funds which track, um, what's it called? Uh, there are funds which track the biomedical device industry, which currently is returning about close to 20%. It's been oh, doing wow. close to 20% for the past 10 years. Mm. There are so many funds. There are funds which track the software industry. That fund has also been doing about 15 to 17% for the past 10 years. There's, um, I forget the industry, but when it comes to, uh, let's say, the military, right, being able to purchase device, um, being able to purchase equipment for the military, there's like a fund for that. That fund has been returning 20% for the past 10 years. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, there are so many funds, but it just, you need the education to be able to know where to look, how to invest in them, and and to be able to understand what you're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I can learn so much from you. Um, You offer uh, consultations for anyone that would actually like to figure out a way to invest. How can you walk us through what that consultation would look like? Absolutely, and you you call it a consultation. I call it a free investing session. Uh Essentially, 
essentially a person gets 30 minutes of my time, they don't have to become a member of the investment tutor, absolutely not. They get 30 minutes of my time where I'm able to on a one-on-one, in a one-on-one setting, so there's no one else on that call, I'm able to teach them about the basics of investing. What I mean by this is I'm able to teach them, you know, what is investing. I'm able to teach them about the different investment vehicles that are out there. So if they want to learn more about 401Ks, I, you know, I, I speak about 401Ks. I speak about um, exchange-traded funds, which were the funds I, were talking, I was talking about, the, like the way to invest in the healthcare industry or the technology industry or the medical device. Um, industry, it's through ETFs, exchange-traded funds. They mm-hmm. are the popular investment vehicle for our generation. They are essentially displacing mutual funds. Mutual funds, you have to pay a person. Exchange-traded funds, you are investing, but you are not paying anyone. So only 1% of the population know about ETFs. So mm-hmm. I'm able to teach about it. Because I don't make a commission by you buying a good investment, right? <laughs> so then mm-hmm. I am glad to tell you about it. But a financial advisor might not, you know, for the ones that are making a commission, they might not want to talk about ETFs because how would they make money off of it? They won't. You get it. So then ETFs, and then we also discuss about stocks. How do you invest in stocks? You know, like investing in companies that you love and understand. Mm-hmm. So we're able to, over a 30-minute period, I'm able to walk you through, and at the end, you're going to understand more about money. You're going to understand more about investing. And mm-hmm. it's at the end of the session where I typically ask, did you, did you want me to, over the next three minutes, share some of the services that I have at the investment tutor if you think it will be beneficial? And at that time, it's, you know, it's up to the, uh, the uh, member to decide whether it's something they wanted to, to learn more about. And also, I'm able to answer any questions that they have, right? So, yeah, they have me for 30 minutes to learn. And um, it's, it's just a, a great way for me to give back, just knowing that I give, you know, this amount of time, no strings attached, person to actually just learn. Mhm. Yeah. I have a question from Margaret. Yeah. And she would like to know what's your thought on purchasing penny stocks through oh Apple my Store God. apps. <laughs> just just stop right there. <laughs> then number one thing I hate in my life mm-hmm. are penny stocks. Okay. Oh. And Jessica, let me be upfront. The reason I hate penny stocks is because investing in penny stocks is gambling, period. And mm-hmm. I don't gamble. For me to write an article about how not to lose money, right, in the stock market should tell mm-hmm. you I don't gamble. When I'm investing, I'm not buying something and hoping and praying that it's going to work out. A mm-hmm. penny stock is a very small company with not enough data for you to be able to analyze to know if it's a good investment. 
So what that means is that you are gambling. Mm-hmm. I don't like to gamble. I like to purchase established companies that have a history for me to follow to see are they making money with the money they have. And what does the investment industry, industry say about that company? So I'm able to look at all of this data to make a decision. For example, mm-hmm. let me ask you a question. Do you think Disney will be around in 30 years from now? I do. Yeah. Do you think Amazon is going to be around in 30 years from now? Yes. But let's say there's a small penny stock company that's selling stocks for two cents called Finko. Let's mix up some random names. Finko. Uh-huh. And Finko wants to become the next um, whatever. What is the likelihood that Finko is going to be around in 30 years? <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. So it's a gamble. Uh-huh. Investing should not be a gamble. It should be calculated. You should put some thought into what you're doing. So I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't even look up any stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I have another question. Timothy wants to know what's your favorite money-making movie. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a very, 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 very good question. I so it's interesting. This this one you're gonna find funny because I kind of like I like Wolf of Wall Street, but he was selling penny stocks, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> he was buying penny stocks or whatever. I love Wolf of Wall Street. It's 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 a great, uh, great, great movie. But um, don't take it the wrong way. I, I do not support penny stocks in any way, gambling, but it's a, it's a, it was a fun movie for me. Like, it's mm-hmm. just fun to watch. And Leonardo DiCaprio is a great actor, so that's yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you have been wonderful throughout this whole show. There was so much that not only myself, but I'm sure my listeners have learned. Again, we're speaking with the investment tutor. I cannot be, I can't believe that this has been like an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, right? It went by so fast. Wow. <laughs> Where did the time go? So anything you want to mention to close us out? Sure, sure, sure. In closing, I just want to say that investing is not what it's cracked out to be. Like the financial industry makes investing seem difficult, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason why it appears so is because if it appears difficult to you, you, you know, you give your money to them so that they can handle it. And Mm -hmm. when you don't know what's going on, they can do whatever they want, right? Yeah. Investing is not complicated. It's very, very, very simple. Okay? You just need to have an individual that you trust or someone who's trustworthy, someone who has, you know, a lot of integrity. Mm-hmm. And have that individual essentially show you how to go about doing that, like how to go about investing. And always continue to educate yourself. Like with, with the Internet, now we can read so many articles. 
yeah. about how the economy is going, how business is. I mean, do that, right? Um, educate yourself. And I want to close with one thing. When it comes to money and investing, money does not discriminate. Mm-hmm. Let me explain that because that might be a new concept to you. Regardless of the color of your skin, if we all buy Apple stock today uh-huh. and we're selling Apple stock 10 years from now, our returns are exactly the same. doesn't matter. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter who, who you are. Uh-huh. Money does not discriminate. That concept should blow your mind. Yeah. That is why I feel it's so important for every individual, regardless of race, gender, whatever, learn how to invest because financial freedom is our only hope. And, Jessica, uh, my website is theinvestingtutor.com, theinvestingtutor.com. And, yeah, your, your listeners, they can reach out, um, you know, if they wanted to talk to me during that session or even on LinkedIn, if they wanted to, you know, search for me, they can do that. They can message me, you know, send me messages on, on LinkedIn if they have any questions, and I'll be more than happy to assist them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much once again. His contact information is listed within the summary of this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wonderful wealth of knowledge with not only myself but my listeners. Thank you guys for listening. This is my first show in over a year. I apologize (laughs) for the technical difficulties in the start, but we made it through. I just appreciate you so much for sharing this time and space with us. All righty, anything else you want to say? Oh, not really, Jessica. Just thank you so much um, for the opportunity. I, you know, applaud you for what you're doing. Uh, You're able to bring, you know, valuable information to our generation, and I just wanted to, uh, you know, just commend you for that and, and to, you know, encourage you to keep on. Right, um, little things like this go a long way to make a, a huge difference in our lives. So, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, I'm Jessica Lashad. Thank you. Have a good one. Yes, well. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye.